Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My friend and colleague for 130-some-odd episodes now is Bruce Aldrich, and we are continuing our COVID-19 safe distance practice. We're in Bruce's backyard in Sacramento, and we're six or seven feet apart, and it's a going to be another hot day in Sacramento. But for this episode today, we have on a gentleman from San Diego. His name is Sean Poor. And if I have this correct, he's a co-founder of Cellmax. Company's been around, I believe, since 2008. And um, he contacted uh, our podcast a while back. And so we're happy to have him on. And so um, good morning, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? We're doing good. Doing great. Sean, as a, a good launching point, could you give us uh, a, the backstory on your company and um, how you went about uh, starting the company and the reason for it? Yeah, so, you know, the, the company came around in the, the 2008 recession, and it's kind of interesting because we're kind of at a time that seems a little similar. Um, you know, my father, he, runs a, he ran a used car dealership in the San Diego area. And the issue that he was having was with inventory and not being able to get uh, the type of merchandise at a, the rate that we needed to be able to sell it. So that's kind of how the idea of Selmax was born. It was kind of to fill our own our own need for inventory. Um, and I was kind of always a computer guy as a kid, so I ended up starting like the online portion of the site. So Cellmax, so everybody knows, it's S-E-L-L, as in sales. Cellmax, and it's a, uh, you pay cash for cars. Yeah, that's exactly what we do is we purchase cars. And our market is kind of, you know, the most of the vehicles that we purchase are kind of in less than, like, perfect condition. So uh, it's something that you probably wouldn't feel comfortable maybe selling on Craigslist. It might have a little bit of an issue. Um, and that's kind of where we come in and we just make it easy. You have no liabilities selling it to us as a business, and you know we do the repairs, or or we we partner with a lot of people that will, you know, uh, our dealers themselves, and and they know how to handle the uh, the repairs. The car doesn't have to run, uh, like you say. It could no. need repair, could need maintenance, uh, no smog check, maybe even the title's missing. So you guys make it easy. Yeah, yeah, we buy anything, anything smashed completely. Uh, yeah, airbags deployed, no smog check. That's that's actually a common reason people contact us. Because, you know, when you sell it to a private party without the smog, they can come back and you have, like, liabilities. So that's kind of people contact us for ease of mind and just to get it done quick. Yes. Now, what do you do? What What's the majority of your cars go, do you think? Is it uh, just the auto auction where whoever wants them, yes. if you're in the wholesale business or what? So it, uh, it depends on the vehicle. Um, if it's the old vehicle that it seems like uh, no one would really want, say, uh, like a 1990 Honda Civic or something like that, then we're just going to be using it um, mainly for, like, the scrap metal, um, and then that, w- that would uh, get recycled. If it's, a, uh, if it's, like, a you know, maybe a newer car that's been damaged or something like that or... Uh, yeah, someone has a use for it, then we, we like have a nation. We, we work with a lot of different auction houses and dealers, but a, lo- a lot of the vehicles will go to like auctions. Yes, okay. 
Um, Bruce and I have had the occasion, Sean, to go to uh, some auctions, um, you know, with vintage cars uh, during Monterey mm-hmm. Auto Week, for example. And this is you're you're different than that, but the reason I'm bringing that up is some of the cars that are in those auctions have some, you know, great backstories. They were celebrities' cars, or they've been through, you know, something out of the ordinary. Uh, might be it might have been in a television program or whatever the case may be, or they're unusual cars that just aren't mm-hmm. sought after that much. So that said, we've, we've heard a lot of great human interest stories, and I'm sure you must have your share of those in, in your business. So with Cellmax, are there a few things that come to mind that um, have been out of the ordinary over the years of, of vehicles that you've acquired? Yeah, probably the, this really comes, like this is probably takes the cake, um, one of the vehicles that we purchased uh, many a few years ago actually like was it's actually happened a few times, but this one was like the most weird is that it was involved in some sort of like a crime, and uh, actually the like the FBI got involved and like needed to get the vehicle back. So that that was that's that pretty was, like, good. A very strange story, and they they couldn't tell. I mean, like they didn't tell like what what happened, but it just makes you think like what what happened with this car? Like they really went out of their way to come and get it, and like uh, yeah, it's and they yeah they it, it was it was like a very strange situation. <laughs> Can you say what kind of car it was, or is it still private? Or uh, I mean, I don't think it, it was uh, some sort of accurate TSX. Uh, fairly, it, I mean, it was like maybe five years old yes um i remember years ago this kind of ties in i i had leased a, a car and when it was time to return the car i took it out to where the the lease return place was out by our airport here in sacramento and i didn't know what to expect and the car was in good shape i had you know had under mileage and i didn't have any problems with the car and it was a very easy uh transaction to go out there and turn the car in but when I got out there, I remember that there was a huge amount of cars there. And on the right, this guy said, on, on the right there, as far as you can see, those are the cars that have been repossessed. And on the left are cars that, you know, the, the people who leased the car didn't play by the rules. And this little lot that you're in now with maybe 20 cars, those are cars that everybody played by the rules and everything's fine. I'm wondering, in, in your, do you have a repossessed cars? Do you have cars that you know, just got abandoned somehow. How, how do some of the cars get to you that that um, people just, <laughs> using the expression, don't play by the rules? What kind of vehicles do you have that are repos or other unusual circumstances? Uh, so those typically tend to be like, a lot of times like we'll get calls from developers who will like purchase the house for rehab or something. And on the house, they have like, whatever maybe there's like a few junk cars that have been like just laying around in the the backyard and uh for those it it is kind of a process because we can't really just take them uh they need some sort of paperwork like in california for example they have to go to the dmv and they usually i think they have to do like a lien sale on the on the vehicle because it's like stuck on the property and then uh once they get the proper paperwork we can pick it up but yeah, a lot of times that's that's like a common one where the people just kind of abandon the car on a property. Yeah, I've heard about that having to go through lien sales. I guess if it's anything to do with the uh, crime or DMV or anything, they they kind of take them. They they won't they wouldn't release yeah. it to you. 
They wouldn't give you a title, I guess. Yeah, they. It's even if it's like completely junk. It's just yeah, the DMV doesn't uh, doesn't let them. I mean, and we can't take it without the paperwork. And sometimes, if the car hasn't been registered in a really long time, we've had cases where there's not even a record of the vehicle. So that can get strange. Sean, have you ever had uh, any of your people find a, I don't know, a, say a seventy Hemi Cuda convertible? one of 12 made or something in grandma's uh, garage they wanted to sell thinking it was worth 500 bucks and actually it's worth you know thousands there is there any stories on cars like that that you've come across uh we one time we uh uh one that comes to mind is uh someone had like a i think it was a 25th anniversary corvette and uh yeah i think it was uh, and they uh they actually just like, yeah, they just wanted to get rid of it. And they like, they didn't care at all about, uh, you know, what they got for it. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe they think it's junk or something, but it, you know, we gave them a still a pretty good price, but like originally they, they wanted to take like, I think it was something like maybe, uh, I, I can't remember the exact details, but it was it was like they wanted a lot less than what it was worth, and we kind of just felt bad taking it at that rate, so we we gave them more. That's, that's good. good. That's a perfect seller, huh? Well, One that doesn't care what they get. Yeah, that's. You right. wish you got those yeah. all the time. Yeah, I, but... I think I think sometimes they inherit it, but you know, it's just we like what we're doing with Salmax is we're not trying to be like um, you know. There's a lot of stereotypes even in this industry. There's like you know, a lot of wheeler dealer types that are just looking to, you know, they, they try to convince people that um, the car is worth a lot less than it is. And we've kind of built like an algorithm. Um, we have like a, a way to calculate what the car is worth to us. And then, you know, we just know what we need to make on margin. Yeah. We're trying to build like a brand. So uh, it's, it's, we'd rather not take advantage of certain situations. And I think in the long run, it's going to pay off. Sure. So you, uh, I was going to ask you what valuation uh, data you use, but what do you, besides algorithms, what, what numbers go into the yeah. algorithms? So, yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit complicated, but basically uh, with all the auctions that we work with, we basically, we compile all of that data and then store it in like a database that um, when we, when we put in like the vehicle, we can kind of tell what previous auction runs brought based on like certain conditions. And that kind of gives us like a ballpark of what we can offer for the car. And, uh, you know, some, sometimes we lose, but like we try to win in like 70% of the cases, but when you're dealing in volume, it ends up working out. Well, sure. it's an auction too. You know, you never know who's going to show up that day. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you get really surprised and sometimes it's just, for some reason, the car won't move. <laughs> what are your employees driving? Are they driving nice cars, or do they get ones that that are picked that are sold to you guys and say, yeah. "Hey, I want that one," or what have you? So typically, actually, our employees um, they're using uh, tow trucks. So it's just uh, we used to. We used <laughs> Great to pick, answer. Great answer. To, Thank you. <laughs> they have hooks. We we used to pick up the cars in uh, in person and like. Uh, one of the workers, I, I, I think I mentioned that in the email is like one of them lost the steering wheel once like driving. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. We, you, there's like undisclosed issues with cars. Most people are honest, but once in a while you kind of get someone trying to, uh, 
make the car seem better than it is. So now we kind of just pick them all up with, with tow trucks. Also in your email, uh, Sean, you mentioned that, I guess it's okay to mention the Craigslist, but uh, you said of avoiding uh, car scams. Is that a particular situation? Uh, maybe someone's had a bad experience selling a vehicle and they come to you because of the scams that are potentially out there with that company or other companies. So what, what do you recommend? Um, obviously you rec probably recommend your company to avoid a car scam, but what are the, some of the things that you've heard about through the years and what experiences has, has your company had from customers? So the biggest actually uh, scams that we find on those sites like that are through uh, purchasing. So when you're going to purchase the car, it's just a lot of issues are uh, covered up. Um, but the main thing that we find is a lot of people get duped by, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the term like curb stoners. Um, so a lot of cars we purchase are actually a result of that. And basically, for those that don't know, a curb stoner is, you know, someone who buys a car on Craigslist and they don't really change the car into their name. They still have the title um, and then they kind of just resell it. And usually they'll come up with a kind of a crazy story like, oh, my uh you know, this is my brother's uh, wife's car that I'm selling, and that's why the name is different than my name. Um, so that's kind of a red flag. If you see something like that, there's a good chance that something fishy is going on. And not all the cars sold by curb stoners are bad. We just see, in a lot of cases, the mileage has been turned back, or they, they like, remove the check engine light, and then they can't get the car to pass smog catalytic converters are missing that we see that a lot wow there are, are they still able to these digital dashes and you know most of the uh criminy they quit making uh analog uh odometers a long time ago they're, I think st they, they're still able to turn these switch. new ones back oh put a new one they in can or even switch they oh. can even switch them out but i do think i i think if i'm not mistaken i think it is possible to turn back the even the digital ones, but even, yeah, they switch them out and, um, yeah. And, and the bulbs too, with the check engine light. I mean, if you don't know what you're looking for and you're not a car person, uh, a lot of times they get kind of taken for a ride, maybe even not even getting the right paperwork. Some people don't even know what the title is or that's true. The car has a lien on it. That's a good one. Turn the light out. Yeah, <laughs> if you got to check engine yeah. light, turn the light off. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Um, uh, the other Just one, make sure. Yeah. Yeah. When you turn, I mean, Especially if they took the ball down, make sure when you turn it once, like all the lights are. Right. Know. Yeah. That's why that it does it automatically. All those lights come on. So you better check that when you yeah. turn the ignition that's initially right. or push the button. I have to compliment you, Sean, that you're, I think, among very few guests who have actually suggested talking points um, uh, during our one of our podcasts. So thank you again for that. But one of the areas that struck me is that you also have um, an idea of people to um, get their cars fixed in an economical way and not get gouged um, in that industry, which I'm, we all know there's plenty of bad gougers, gougers yeah. out there and all kinds of repairs, whether it's a, a, manuf um, a dealership or an independent. I mean, some independent repair guys are just fantastic. I should say women too, but and some of the dealers may be not so good. So all different shapes and sizes. So what can you share about... Um, getting your car fixed in an economical and, and fair way? So the biggest mistake I see is a lot of the time is, 
Uh, the dealer, they, you know, they back everything and they have warranties and whatnot, but a lot of times you're paying like triple the price of what the, what like the rate would be at a, you know, smaller independent shop. Yes. Um, and the one thing that I actually recommend is a lot of parts you can get, um, from, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like LKQ online. Never heard of it. Um, no. Yeah, they, they sell, uh, they sell a lot of used parts, except they're, they're a huge company with like, and all the parts are backed with warranties and, or you can purchase, like if you buy an engine, for example, you could purchase a, you know, a warranty on that. And if you, if you put in the engine and it's a bad engine, they pay for the repair, the install cost and uh, take the engine back and give you a new one if you buy the warranty. So things like that are, uh, I think are good. If you can, if you can buy used parts from like a reputable source, like LKQ, um, I think you'll end up saving a lot of money. And then, yeah, dealerships, I I hesitate to recommend dealerships. I know they do a decent job, but a lot of cases I see is they are very insistent on um, changing everything and not fixing anything. Um, yes. So a lot of the mechanics, they're really good at like putting in a new part, but a lot of times someone who's kind of been around the block and is a more economical guy can, you know, do a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of work and get get it things fixed, but the dealers kind of want to put everything new. Gotcha. Well, they're kind of out of sight, out of mind for people who don't care about price and they get it done. And you guys are like the yeah. opposite. Gotcha. They want to get it done and they want a fair price. And you know, you guys take care yeah. of it, right? Yeah. I mean, you make it simple. You don't have to call cash for clunkers or deal with anybody. Yeah, we we pick up our cars like. Uh, Usually we pick them up within 24 to 48 hours of uh, making an offer. And, uh, yeah, we just pay you and take it away. And everything's out of your name and you won't have any issues. Now, I saw on your website you just put in your car, your make and model, and the condition and this and that. And then uh, and then what happens? Okay, so I, I put my 75 uh, Ford Fairlane on there. When do you guys come out, or what do you do? What's the next step? Uh, so how it works is some of the, some of the cars um, we can we make like an instant offer on if we we feel confident that we can uh, make an accurate price. Otherwise, it, it comes to you know our internal team, and then they they take a look at the car, and then they'll go ahead and give you a call or send you an email with what what we can offer on it. And then if you accept, we just get a few pieces of information from you, like your VIN number your first and last name address and then we just send out a tow truck and pay you and do you just do you mail a check or the tow truck driver just says here uh, you go when he comes out we, we pay on the spot yeah, yeah. we swap oh. the, like the title with the check that's that's very simple yes um so it's it's similar to i mean there's a lot of new people entering the industry uh it's kind of similar i mean there's companies like carvana shift those guys are kind of new players and it's been kind of interesting to uh, compete at some level with these guys who are, you know, billionaires. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. I remember uh, uh, several years ago now when my father-in-law passed away, he had a, a Honda Civic. And uh, it was in pretty good shape, low mileage. And I took it to a, a place here in town and, and got it um, what we used to call spick and spanned. And, and, you know, it sold... Um, pretty close to the top amount that was in Kelly Blue Book, and it sold 
really fast. Um, you know, people had cash in their pocket, and it, it didn't take more than an hour or two to sell the car after I brought it back from the, the car wash and the detail. Um, and one of your items in your list was that cars that do really well, um, you know, good resale cars and cars that go fast. So I, I can guess, or we can guess, that, you know, Toyota products and Honda products, are, they're known for their longevity. So is it is it those logical cars that um, turn really quickly, or are there some surprises in that category that we might not um, be aware of? So, yeah, the ones you mentioned are uh, are big, you know, qu- quick sells, the Toyota Tacoma. Um, some, some ones you might not think of, why they have a higher resale value is like um, the Toyota Highlanders, like Toyota Priuses, like a lot of the older Priuses even. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do really well for export. Um, countries open up the border of what years they can allow. And uh, that actually uh, influences the price a lot because... They can't. A lot of times, they can't purchase the car new in certain countries, and then they they want to export it from the U.S. to uh, maybe the Middle East or something like that. Wow, I didn't do, think about that. Yeah. Do you guys get involved with that, or is it still just go to the auto auction? But it's just worth because the auction houses they'll find somebody that wants to actually export it. Yeah. So uh, if we know it's a car that will do well for export, then we know like the auction to send it to, and then uh, they they have bidders from. Uh, you know, uh, all around the world for those cars, wherever it's, I those see. guys are like looking for those models. Sure. And you guys are, have locations all over the U S correct. Yeah, we have, we, so, so how it works is like, uh, we partner with a lot of different, um, different auction houses that have like contracts with us and then our, uh, you know, they can take in the, they can take in the vehicle, uh, to that auction house for us. And then, uh, we we pay them and they pay the customer for us. So if an auction house in I don't know Minnesota likes Toyota Tacomas more than say California, do they ship yeah, them back to Minnesota or wherever where they're worth the most, or it's not even a, it's just not practical. Some people play that game, but we just kind of like to move the inventory at, because if you ship it to the wrong place, it can get kind of expensive. Sure. Yeah, and shipping's expensive. Um, yeah, yeah. Some some of these odd car scenarios have come to my mind this morning. I don't know why, but I do remember this story that got national attention maybe 10 years ago now. And a place had a uh, Maserati bi-turbo, uh, and uh-huh. they, ended, they ended up making a video of the car getting crushed. And the whole story was, who in their right mind would crush a Maserati? Well, it was in some place in middle America where nobody wanted a Maserati. And of course the bi-turbo was a pretty awful car going in. So they, they, here they was, the whole story was that they crushed a Maserati and it was a big deal in this small town and people came out and watched. Um, no dealer network. Yeah. No dealer network. Fixed? So what are you going to do with it? But that transition <laughs> to, I'm wondering if maybe this is just, um, I don't know how to say it, but have you ever had a vehicle where you guys were kind of um, boy, that's a really nice car, but no one's taken it, and we hate to see it go because it's this or that. Are, are there ever any, for lack of a better way of saying it, any emotional attachments to cars at all for one reason or another? Uh, you know, really nice cars, usually they get bought. I've never seen a situation, I don't believe, where we've had to, like, basically uh, junk, like, a, a nice car. But, 
a lot of times there'll be like a say like a Camry that's running really well, and sometimes it just there's it wouldn't do well in auction or no one really wants it and yeah it ends up getting scrapped which is kind of a shame you know someone might have put uh, new tires on it or something like that and even though it's like a 90s car it's just there's not much of a market for it. Yes. What's the uh, scrap value for uh, say a midsize sedan high mileage? Uh, scrap value is right now it's a little bit low. I mean, usually it's around like a few hundred dollars. Like, uh, it depends like what year it is, but you know, you might be looking at between like three and 500 or something for a, like a sedan like that. Yes. I was going to guess, but I had really no idea. Yeah. 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 It's, it's strange. Um, the scrap industry has gotten a little weird with the coronavirus because some, some cars have actually gone up in value a lot. Like the, um, because of, uh, I've heard that they're not manufacturing a lot of the new parts or at least got on hold. So they, they're kind of like a lot of used parts are being sold. What, what, what would you estimate the scrap value is on a wrecked car? Say it, if it was running nice, it was worth 10,000, but the front and back are smashed. So it's unrepairable, but it's low mileage. So that there's a lot of good parts. What would... What would a ten thousand dollar car like that be worth? It, to, I guess, it just goes to the dismantle yards. Yeah, sometimes because those guys can sell the engine and stuff for right. a good amount. So, yeah, uh, it really is like hit or miss. Like sometimes people are looking for that specific part themselves, or they, yeah, they they have a customer that wants the engine and they know they can sell them the engine for two thousand. So they might pay like, yeah, maybe. If the car is worth ten thousand, yeah, maybe it'll sell for like three thousand or something. Oh, and then that's they kind pretty of high. The... Okay, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, it, it really depends, depends on the car. On the car. Sure. Like if, yeah, yeah. It depends. Like if the parts are really in high demand, then you might get a junkyard that wants it, and they have they already know like, okay, if I get this car, I can sell the engine and transmission, and I made my money back, and then everything else is uh, profit. Basically, is how they think. Right. If it was a Buick Century, maybe not worth so much. But yeah. if it's a, like you said, yeah, Toyota Tacoma, um, they're, people yeah. are going to want those parts. There was a guy exactly. down the street uh, in Sacramento many years ago who, um, much like Bruce and I were talking about, uh, somebody in the family had passed away. And so there was a car, you know, grandma's car was in the, in the garage. And in this case, it was a 1961 Hudson Hornet. And the guy was asking $500 for it and it had a frozen engine or whatever it was. And he, he knew how to fix it and all that. And I didn't, um, I regret not buying it, but what comes to mind is, have you ever had a car come in that, I mean, you sound like you're still relatively young, that you didn't know what it was, didn't recognize it. It was, you know, from far before you were born. Have you ever had something that not exotic, but uh, unique? Uh, so some cars like, the weird thing is the classics, they're kind of, you have to kind of stay on top of that niche because uh, it changes. And some cars, like, I'm sure that we've ended up, you know, maybe even using as, like, scrap have become maybe classics over time. Like, some of these Mercedeses and things like that that weren't very popular are starting to, the, the market just changes. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you have to really stay on top of the classic industry or you, you might miss out on the deal. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Well, uh, Sean, is there some other, uh, area of your business that 
that Bruce and I were unfamiliar with that you'd like to share? Is there something that we're missing? Of course, we, if the public's interested, they can find you on the internet. Is it is it cellmax.com? Yeah, it's cellmax.com. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much covered it. Uh, we, we focus on saving people time. You don't have to trade in a car with us. If you, uh, if you want your car gone quick, give us a call. Uh, our, our main, I guess our main value proposition is no liabilities and quick service. And you don't have to waste your time on sites like Craigslist. And just, yeah, if you're buying or selling on Craigslist, you know, watch out for curb stoning. That's a big thing we see all the time. And selling, I mean, uh, just never, never accept like, you know, uh, weird checks or uh, you don't, don't ship the car without getting paid. It's surprising, but it does happen sometimes. So just be aware of, of those type of scams out there. I wish I could call you sometimes on my neighbors when I see their used car lots and yes. <laughs> somehow you make yeah. make them disappear for me. That's you can right. drop the check at their door, but <laughs> just get the car out. That's right. <laughs> well, Sean, thanks. Um, first of all, thank you for contacting me uh, a while back. I know it's been a while, but I don't I I don't know if you heard a podcast or saw found out about us somehow, but. I guess in the roundabout way, thanks for the compliment of, of re- reaching out to us, and we're happy to talk about your business. And um, we want to thank Sean Poor from CellMax.com. Check him out, and uh, it's quite a niche industry. You mentioned others, but since you guys have been around a while, you obviously you know what you're doing, and you have a successful business. So best with that, and, and thank you for being our guest on the Weekly Driver Podcast. We're, we're appreciative. And thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it, it means a lot that you let me on the show. Okay. Yeah, great. thanks, Sean. It's a, it's a real easy-to-navigate website. It, it, you know, it's nice and clear and easy, so it should be easy for people. Hey, Sean, appreciate thank, that. thanks again. And uh, we'll be in touch after the podcast. I'll, I'll be in contact with you uh, via email or phone call. So thanks again, and uh, best of luck with the business. All right. Bye. 